0: The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. Dr. Gerald Barry, a virologist based in UCD, remarked that we need to be getting used to the fact that this is here for the medium to the long haul. Because let's face it, we all thought that if we just get vaccines and we just get control over it, that the vaccines will crush it like a grape. That's what we all thought. This time last year, we were so looking forward to vaccines coming out. We we're so excited about vaccines coming out. And we did honestly think at that stage that the vaccines would help to, to stamp it out. Now we know that that's not the case. Vaccines are brilliant. They're working. You, you, Your chances of getting very sick are so much less. But you can still get COVID and you can still pass it on. Uh, Dr. Barry joins me on the program. Good morning to you. Good morning. How are you, PJ? Good. You were right then, Gerald. And I suppose you take no satisfaction in, in knowing that you were right. But looking to the, the, the months ahead, what other things should we be thinking about? Well,
1: I suppose, you know, really from the start of this, I think we've been learning so much about this virus, but we've reached a point now where I think we have a really good comprehension about what this virus is, what it does, how it spreads, and how efficiently it spreads, how aggressively really it spreads in a population. And the frustrating thing is that we also know the measures that we could and should be putting in place that will give us the best chance to... Uh, allow us to come back to a kind of a somewhat normal life by controlling this as aggressively as possible. And I'm not talking about lockdowns, very far from it. I, I'm talking more about putting in place public health policies, um, You know, better testing, better tracking of the virus, all these kind of measures that people have been really screaming about, I suppose, from mm. the beginning um, or at least in in recent times, that could and should be put into place Um, on a kind of a governmental level that I think would allow us to live um, alongside this virus Mm. because we're going to have to live alongside this virus we're not going to be
0: able to get rid of this thing uh, as you say in the short term, definitely not That's stark enough though I mean, look, the vaccines are working we know this Um, don't mind those for a second to tell you that they're not they are, the vaccines are working your, your chances of getting seriously ill with a vaccine, your chances of ending up in hospital with a vaccine are a hell of a lot less than they were without one. Uh, but the vaccines do not stop transmission and the vaccines do not stop other things. They do stop you getting very, very seriously. And the, the only problem is we thought they would do more. We we thought that we might be able to use these vaccines to crush it like a grape. That's not going to happen. Was it Delta change that game, Ger, or was that always going to be the case?
1: I think Delta had a huge impact on that, no doubt. De- I think we always, we knew that vaccines would have a huge impact on protecting us against disease, but I think we hoped that it will also have a big impact on transmission. And in the face of the Alpha virus, which was very aggressive, but not as bad as Delta, the, it did seem to be having that impact. It's very, very hard for vaccines to be designed to stop transmission. So we kind of knew that from the start, that this vaccine might stop transmission, but, uh, you know, it, that's a very, very hard thing to do. And we don't actually fully, really understand how to make a vaccine that would fully block transmission. So that was always kind of in our minds. It was kind of a hope, but it was never really believed that it would definitely happen. And the reality is it doesn't stop transmission. And we know by about six months post your second shot that your ability to contract and transmit this virus is not far off a person that's unvaccinated. So, you know, that, that you kind of go back to square one a little bit from that point of view. And so what we need to do basically is not now go back to a, a point where we're relying on things like lockdowns, God forbid. We, but we need to be putting in place proper control policies that would actually help us um, keep a lid on this virus. So things like, um, you know, proper testing, for example, and um, there's a combination of mass, in my opinion, mass use of antigen testing in combination with mass use of PCR testing. So, you know, just to put it in context, I'm not sure what the case is like in Cork, but where I live, I have to drive almost an hour to get a t- PCR test. Mm. Now, that's an inconvenience for me. And so, okay, every person is different, but if somebody wakes up with a bit of a sniffly nose or a bit of a headache and they have to drive an hour to get a test, rather than just popping down the road and quickly running in and getting a test, Um You know, straight away you're creating a barrier to somebody identifying whether they're they're positive for COVID or not. So that's a simple thing that could be done that creates a convenience to testing and we know that at the heart of this the more we test, the more cases we pick up, the more likely we are to stop chains of transmission.
0: Uh, How do you you feel about about keeping antigen tests at home, say in the fridge, and just doing one anytime you feel a bit ropey?
1: No, I think antigen testing needs to be much... Much better than that, actually. Like, antigen testing as a once off is good, but it's not really good enough. Antigen testing really should be used on a regular basis, on a like twice weekly basis, ideally, okay. so that people kind of track uh, it, their health status effectively using antigen testing. Okay. I think there needs to be a complete overhaul in how we're communicating the use of antigen testing. And unfortunately, the mantra around it has been so negative up to this point. That I think there's a real scepticism around antigen testing when other countries have ha- found huge benefit from using yeah. antigen tests.
0: Are you su- suggesting something like, okay, I know I'm coming in here to a program on a on a Monday morning that I would test myself, say Sunday morning, and if it comes up off, but, then I would go get PCR, notify my employers that I might not be in on Monday.
1: Absolutely. So, what antigen testing is really good is they'll they'll detect very effectively, over ninety percent effectiveness, at detecting if somebody is shedding large amounts of virus. So, and in the early stages of the infection, your antigen test might miss it. So, let's say you get infected on a Saturday, on a, a out in a nightclub, let's say, on a Sunday. If you test yourself, you're going to come up negative. You might even come up negative on a Monday morning. But if you continue to test yourself, then as your the amount of virus coming out of your nose increases the antigen test is more likely to pick you up. So in other words, as you enter that dangerous phase where you might infect other people, antigen tests will catch you and keep you at home. And so that's why antigen testing on a regular basis is very effective. As Mm -hmm. a once-off to tell you if you're infected or not, as I say, if you tested yourself on a Sunday, you probably come up negative and relying on that then to clear you for the week is yeah, not good I enough. Yeah, I should
0: test again maybe on Tuesday.
1: Uh, right. So yeah. like in UCD, for example, where I work in the vet school, we test everyone in, that's working in our veterinary hospital every Monday and every Thursday.
0: Right.
1: Now, it's a voluntary system. People can come if they want. They don't have to. But what it does is it just allows us to keep a regular track of a, of a, a dense population of people that are working together yeah. and gives us a reassurance that there's nobody in there that's shedding a lot of virus. Yeah. And on top of all the other measures we have, like distancing and mask wearing, and all those other things that we should be doing, that's just—it's not a—it's not a magic bullet. But what it does, it creates an extra layer of risk sure. mitigation.
0: Our distances, like stickers on the floor and masks on our face, are they with us for the foreseeable? jerk
1: yeah. I think masks are going to be with us long term. I don't see us getting rid of masks, particularly coming through the winter. Most definitely, I think in indoor environments with high rates of virus, the way they are. I think it would not be a sensible idea to get rid of masks. I mean, we know that they're effective at reducing transmission. Um, mm-hmm. And I think while virus is circulating at such high levels, it would be um, brainless to get rid of them. I don't think mm-hmm. I don't think we should go down that line, definitely not. So, we know
0: yeah, that, that there's a move now, now with us. boosters now. The healthcare workers are going to get boosters. The over 80s are getting boosters. The over mm-hmm. 60s are getting boosters. Will it eventually move down through all the age groups? And will we start vaccinating the children soon, or should we?
1: Yeah, I think yes to both of those. Yeah, I, I would I would fully expect boosters to be rolled out across the population, um, definitely before Christmas, I would think. And I think, yeah, it'll probably roll into the 5- the to 12-year-old group as well. You know, we know that kids transmit this virus, and we know that the vaccine will help to protect them not only against illness, but also in the short term against transmission. And so to get us through the winter period at least, and to try and get control of this because we're not putting in place all those other measures that we could be putting in place. I think, in a way, we've been backed into a little bit of a corner by our current policies. And we'll, we're going to have to
0: return to boosters to try and solve that problem. Mm-hmm. And lastly, with regard to the schools, I had a, a principal here on the program yesterday passionately outlining to me the problems caused by taking the contact tracing out of primary school As simple as if a child tests positive now in one of his classes, he's not entitled to know unless a parent decides to tell him. That's crazy.
1: Yeah, you know, it's amazing. I worked in contact tracing last year and, you know, there's a lot of training goes into it. There's a lot of kind of expertise involved in contact tracing. And we've gone from that now to um, every parent of a child in a primary school is suddenly a contact tracer. You know, because WhatsApp groups have become the medium through which people find out if, if children in their class are infected. Um, that's not the way things should work. You know, it really isn't. And I think there should be much better supports in schools, not only to help schools control spread within the classroom environment, but also policies in place to help uh, inform parents and keep them updated of what what is happening, you know, mm-hmm. in the local school uh, I think it's a. It, I think schools schools have been put in a, an incredibly challenging position um, it, because of the policy of schools being safe. Schools and are safe. They're doing huge amounts of work to try and control this virus. But I think uh, policies could be put in place to help them
0: an awful lot better. And the last problem that comes up, and I've. parents who have a child or two children in school and one of them tests positive and they're out for a few days, like, that's very hard on working families. Can we do anything to make it easier?
1: Well, absolutely. Like, I mean, we know that kids don't transmit the virus as efficiently as adults, okay? So if we take that as a principle and we say that, okay, if we take contacts, for example, this idea of taking them out of school for 10 days is just not a runner. It's too impactful on both the parents and the kids. So what you do is you come up with a happy medium. You employ testing to allow kids to go safely to school, but also to pick up kids that are potentially infected and or infectious. And so you allow them to go to school, but you get them to do something like an antigen test every morning so that if they're shedding virus and are therefore potentially infectable or able to infect other people, you stop them going to school because antigen testing will do that. I got you. I got you. You know, it's a pretty simple policy. And I, I suppose the key thing is antigen testing. I'm not saying it's a magic bullet. It isn't going to pick up every single case, but it'll pick up a lot more cases by doing it than we'll pick up by not doing it. All right. You know, oh. and so the whole point is to try and reduce the overall burden. And all these little measures, like improving ventilation, like improving air filtration, like bringing in antigen testing, all those little things help to reduce the overall case burden. All right. And by not doing those, we get the result of what's happening now, which is cases arising and we're turning to vaccines to try and solve the problem again. Okay. And that's a short-term solution, I have to stress. That is a short-term solution that in the long term
0: is not going to be what we're going to be able to do every six months. It just okay. isn't. Okay. All right. Leave it there and thank you. Dr. Gerald Barry, a virologist based in Athlone, who teaches at UCD. Courts ninety six FM.